Our scripture reading this morning will be from Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 6. Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 6. This can be found on page 1047 in the Pew Bible. This morning I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. Beginning in verse 2. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us, that God may open to us a door for the word, to declare the mystery of Christ, on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. Conduct yourselves wisely toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Good morning. It is good to see each of you. If you're a guest this morning, again, we welcome you. It encourages us that you're here. Uh, we want to be an encouragement to you. Uh, we have much to be thankful for, and some things are just neat points of interest. I wanted to just mention to you quickly that Janelle Arthur, who is on American Idol right now, some of you know her, and some of you know this, but I just want to share it with everybody. Uh, Janelle Arthur is the, uh, in the final five. She is uh, usually sets over in this section when she's not in Hollywood. And uh, she grew up at Oliver Springs, and she has visited regularly with us uh, for a lot of years. And uh, we, are, we are thankful um, for her success, and uh, we wish her well in that. Second, I want to mention to you that our youth are away at a retreat, and we're thankful for the opportunity that they have to be there and to do that, and uh, we pray for their safe trip home, and we appreciate our youth and all that are involved in that. Uh, third, I want to mention to you that our elders, deacons, ministers meeting that was scheduled at four o'clock this afternoon, uh, it is postponed, and we'll get back with you on uh, when that will be rescheduled, but that needed to be postponed this afternoon. Also, uh, we do rejoice about the uh, baptism in Brazil. We are thankful for uh, that great news. We rejoice with the heavenly host. We rejoice with uh, the Fowlers. And also, I share with you the news that Alan Cantrell is going to be going and spending the summer there. And he's going to be working with, uh, under the, the banner, if you will, of Let's Start Talking. And we look forward to the good that will be done there, the opportunity that Alan is, is having there, but then also the opportunity for us to get that going there and, and maybe do much more next summer. Also, Dan Bailey, his father, Clay and Nate, he stopped by uh, Friday and he mentioned that uh, he wanted to pass on to the congregation that they are looking so forward to hosting stateside. Uh, we will be there in Bristol and it will be in July and that's the state Street Church of Christ. Uh, it's on the Virginia and Tennessee border. And uh, we are thankful. We are thankful for uh, them and for the opportunity to work with them. And we look forward to that. This morning we're talking about real talk, talking to God about our neighbors. And whenever we talked about this last week, we talked about the fact that we want to be real talk 
to God about our neighbors. And we passed out the post-it notes and it's exciting to know that there have been thousands of prayers that, that have been prayed and we want to continue doing that all month and encourage you to do so. If you are not here and you want to grab a post-it note, they're scattered throughout the, the window seals and throughout the foyer. Be sure and do that. And the goal is to pray for five souls and to pray that um, they will have open doors, that we will have open doors and that us individually and as a church family will take advantage of those open doors and pray also uh, that we'll speak what we ought to speak. Also, as we think about the opportunities, and that's especially what we're capitalizing on today, is uh, real talk about the opportunities that God gives us to reach our neighbors. Uh, if you're sitting on the end of a pew, you will see that there are business size cards that are invitations to Friends Day. If you will, you may want to grab three or four of these and pass them down and each person grab three or four. There should be enough for uh, you to, each of you to have several. And uh, you will notice that they, of course, advertise our, our Friends Day on the back. It briefly tells about also at four o'clock, we'll have worship in the park. Five o'clock, we'll have some activities. We'll, have, we'll eat a meal together, and at 6 o'clock, we'll have some activities. That's always a tremendous and good day. And uh, we want to encourage you to invite people to the Sunday morning and to the 4 o'clock. And then out in the foyer, you'll notice that uh, we have several postcards. And, of course, it is very similar invitation. It's just large enough to mail. And if you would prefer the larger ones, be sure and pick those up. And let's begin getting real intense about what we've been praying about. We've been praying about our neighbors this past uh, week, and now let's, let's try to do all that we can do uh, to reach out. I'm really excited uh, to think about partnering with God, uh, pouring out our petitions to Him, and seeing how God is going to work in all of this. As we think about the book of Colossians, we think about the sufficiency of God offering us Jesus Christ. That, in essence, is what the book of Colossians is about, the sufficiency of Jesus Christ. Now, when we think about the sufficiency of Christ, we think about the fact that He is God in the fullness. He is the Godhead, a part of the Godhead. But also, He brings us that sufficiency, and He brings us that fullness. And so last week we read, and if you have your Bibles open there, look at, at Colossians, the fourth chapter, and verse two. I'd like for us to look. It's just been read. But I'd like for you to notice the emphasis on prayer and remind you what we covered last week and what we've been trying to do all week long in our personal prayers. He says, continuing earnestly in prayer. And then he says, being vigilant. Now, we want to be earnest, continue in our prayer, like Daniel, pray three times a day. And, and I know several of you have been praying three times a day this past week. Then he says, being vigilant. Do you have your eyes open to see how God is going to answer these prayers and how God's going to work through these prayers? And notice the rhythm. And when we see God work, of course, our next move would be with thanksgiving. We would offer thanksgiving to him. And then meanwhile, at the same time, he said, I have a prayer request for you. And he wants us or the people of Colossae to pray for him and we ought to want people to pray for us. And he says that God would open to us a door for the word. Now, that's what we'll capitalize on today in just a few moments, that God would open a door. That door is an opportunity. Paul wanted an opportunity to pass 
through, that, that he could pass through, that he could share the word of God. Now, I love the way he says, speaking of the mystery of Christ, that was, that was unknown. And what he wants to make it, and he's in it, that's why he's in chains, but notice that I may make it manifest. And so he's got this that was unknown. He's going through a door, reaching people that don't know Christ, and he wants to make Christ manifest. And so he says, will you pray for me? What do you want me to pray, Paul? And he's telling the people, Classe, I want you to pray that God would open that door. And then when I pass through it, he closes that verse by saying that I'll speak what I ought to speak. And that's what we've been praying all week. We've been praying that God would open doors for specific souls that we're praying about and then that we would pass through those doors and that we would say what we ought to say. And again, I say to you, I'm excited about that. When an entire church family is praying for thousands of people, a thousand people praying for at least five, three times a day, praying that each of us will pass through that door. Each of us will say what we ought to say. Can you imagine what God is going to do with that kind of willing servants multiplied a thousand times over? It is amazing. But today let's talk about the real opportunities that God puts before us. Let's look at that verse five again. Notice verse five, and this is what we'll look at today, just this one verse. He says, walk in wisdom. And he says three phrases here. Walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, redeeming the time. Now, let's think about these three phrases. Think about one is walk in wisdom. The next one is toward those who are outside. And the next one is redeeming the time. Now, this comes on, on the heels of him saying, I've got a prayer request for you. Paul, what do you want us to pray about? He says, I want you to pray for us that we have an open door. Now he flips it around and he stops speaking so personal here and he talks more in a general sense. In other words, this is what we all ought to experience. And what is it? Let's look at these just a little bit out of order to try to bring emphasis to this. I'd like for us to look at that middle one first. Notice how he says, toward those who are outside. Whatever this opportunity is that Paul wants us to pray about, it's an opportunity that has to deal with those who are outside. Do you believe that anybody's outside? Universalism is growing more and more all the time. There are more and more people that believe that no one could be lost. There are more and more people that believe that as long as you don't rape someone, murder someone, and, and steal a large amount from someone, that you're immediately saved. That, that God just saves everyone except a select few that are just horrible and he condemns them. I sometimes am amazed at how tolerant our society has come. There are individuals that believe strongly that something is wrong, but they'll turn around to someone else and say, but now, if that's what you want to do, that's okay. Listen, we can't have it both ways. Either something is wrong or it's right. But it can be wrong for you and right for someone else. Has the tolerance crept in so that we really aren't that evangelistic? And the reason is, is because we don't believe anybody's really on the outside. On the day of judgment, you look around your office where you work. You look around your neighborhood, the people up and down your streets. You look around the friends you have. On the day of judgment, do you envision that there are going to be those who are on the outside of salvation and those who are on the inside? Listen, we're not using language that we've come up with. We're talking about the teachings that God has given us. God uses the phrases in and out. 
And here, Paul, he has a prayer request. And then he has a general statement for all of us about opportunities. How do we look at the people who are outside? If you will, look back in your Bible to Acts, the second chapter. I'd like for you to look at Acts, the second chapter. I'd like for you to think of the wording here. In Acts, the second chapter, <clears throat> in verse 41, this is the... The sermon on the day of Pentecost, the church is being established at the very time this sermon is being preached. And 3,000 souls respond to the preaching of Jesus Christ. They believe that they need to make changes in their life. They believe that they need to reach out to Jesus as a savior. And in verse 41, this is how this is described. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. Now let's pause there for a moment. You remember what Romans the sixth chapter and verse three and Galatians the third chapter and verse 27 says about baptism. It says that we are baptized into Christ. Again, notice the emphasis that God gives. In other words, we are in the world and if we wanna leave the world, we have to hear and believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. When we begin to believe that, it's gonna require changes. And that change is repentance. Are we going to turn to God and are we going to be baptized? Now notice this, into Christ. In other words, the ones that here he says heard the word, they left the world and they were baptized into Christ. Now let's continue reading here in 41. So they were baptized that day about 3,000 souls were what? Added to them. There's a group over here that the scriptures calls the world. And now there's a group over here that when individuals were saved, they were added to them. All right, let's drop down and read the last sentence here. Look at verse 47, and there's, a, there's two, uh, look at the last sentence in 47. And the Lord added, notice that word, added to what? The church daily, those who were being saved. Now notice here what we got. We've got three movements that kind of describe the same thing. Here are people that were lost and what they wanted to do was be saved. They said, what shall we do? And they were told to be baptized, what? Into Christ. They left the world and notice Jesus said they were saved and then he said they were added and what were they added to? They were added to the church and who added them? The Lord added them to the church. What's the word church mean? Ecclesia in the Greek, it literally means the called out. Here were people who were lost. They were in the world outside of Christ. They were not in the church. They were in the world and they decided that they wanted to move. They wanted to be in Christ. They wanted to be added to the church. They wanted to be saved. Brethren, do we grasp how significant it is if someone dies and faces the day of judgment in the world? How horrible is that compared to in Christ? Well, let's get a glimpse of what Jesus will try to get us to see. Drop back to Matthew, the 25th chapter. Matthew, the 25th chapter, he tells us three stories that prepares us mindset-wise for the day of judgment. And on those stories, the first one, he tells about five women who were ready for the bridegroom. And then he tells about five who were not ready for the return of the bridegroom. And so he talks about the five wise virgins and they had prepared themselves with the oil that they needed to, to wait 
to endure for the coming. And then there were five that did not prepare themselves. I'd like for you to look with me, if you will, in verse 10. In, in the, Matthew 25, and let's start in verse 10. And while they went to buy, this is the foolish ones having to go and buy, the bridegroom came and those who were ready went in. Notice, they went in with him to the wedding. And notice this, the door was shut. So see, what we have was the ones who were ready were on the inside and the door shut. Now those who are on the outside do not have the opportunity. Today we're talking about opportunities. There's coming a time when opportunities end and the door is shut. The opportunity is over. Now, when we continue reading 11 afterwards, the other virgins came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. In other words, they want the opportunity opened up again. And notice what they said, verse 12. But he answered and said, as surely I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. Here we have Jesus teaching about the fact that those that are on the inside have taken advantage of the opportunity. They have prepared themselves while there was opportunity. There are gonna be others that are saying, I wanna do that one day. I wanna be ready when Jesus comes again. But they haven't done so now. Procrastination is a powerful tool of Satan. And so they have procrastinated and procrastinated. I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna do it. Oh, let me run right now to get ready. And Jesus comes again and the door is shut. What goes through your mind when you hear in the holy writings of God, you hear the teaching about how we're to live toward those who are outside. We have a responsibility to the people who are outside. Do we believe that? Now, I'd like for you to look back at Colossians, the fourth chapter, and look at verse five again, same verse. And now let's think about that last phrase where he says, walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, all right, now notice, redeeming the time. So there's something about those that are on the outside that we are to redeem the time. First, I'd like for you to note that word time. The word time is not, even in the Greek there, it is not the word where like we get chronology, where, where you say here is a movement of time. That's not the word. It's more of the word where we would sometimes speak of opportunities or seasons. Like for example, right now, someone might say, well, you know, this is the season for putting a garden out. Now, what, what do you mean by it's the season for putting a garden out? What you mean is if you'd have put it out earlier, it would have been too early. If you put it out later, it's too late. When we use words like that to, to describe, we're saying there is an opportunity that is available now, but what is implied is it will not always remain there. Notice what he says about this opportunity. He says, redeem the opportunity. This opportunity, you can waste it. You can be a poor steward with it, or you can purchase it. You can say, I need to take advantage of that while it is available. Now, what are we talking about? What's Paul talking about? How you live toward those who are outside. How do you live toward those who are outside? Do you redeem the opportunities that God has given you? And you might say, well, what, what's the big deal about the opportunity? Well, let's think about three things that we can see clearly from the scripture. The first one we just seen back in Matthew, the 25th chapter. Why do we need to redeem the opportunity? 
Number one, we don't know the day or the hour that Jesus is coming again. What if Jesus comes this month? What if you knew Jesus was coming this month? How many co-workers would you talk to then? How many family members would you talk to then? How many neighbors would you talk to? If you knew Jesus was coming in this month, how would you redeem the time? How would you say, wow, I only have two, two and a half, three weeks. I really need to take advantage of the time I have to influence souls. We don't know the day or the hour that Jesus is coming again, but we do know this for certain. We know Jesus is coming again. And so we ought to redeem, that is use every day as if it were valuable because it is. However many days you and I have left on this earth, it's one less than yesterday. And it's a week less than last Sunday. And it's a year less than last year. How many opportunities are you going to have to influence other people for Jesus Christ? You have one day less than yesterday. Are we going to redeem the time? The second thing that I want you to see is not only is it that we don't know when Jesus is coming back again, but he is coming. The second thing is we don't know how long we're living. We don't know how long other people are living. Do you realize that God may have put you in the workplace that he's put you so that you can be a light there, but what if you decide not to shine and then pass away? What about the people you need to be shining to? How long are they going to live? Hebrews 9 and 27, there's an appointment that we all shall keep. It's appointed a man once to die and after this the judgment. Are we reaching out to individuals while there's time are we reaching out to them while they have life? But the third thing that I'd like for you to see is that we have to constantly reach out because most individuals only have windows of opportunities where they're willing to think about it. Think about it for a moment. If everybody in, this, in, in Mount Juliet, if everybody in Mount Juliet was open right now to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, what would we do? There would be thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people here every Sunday. What a beautiful, beautiful sight that would be. But why are they not all here at the same time? Because most people only have interest in certain windows of opportunity. There's going to be somebody that they move into town and for the first time they think, maybe I want to look for a church. There's going to be someone who was single and then they became married. In that transition, they said, let's, let's start thinking about looking for a church. Or maybe it's someone who was, was married and, and they had a child. And they said, maybe, maybe now we need to start thinking. The scenarios can go on and on. Maybe there was a significant loss. Maybe there was some kind of hardship in their life and they started looking. But the thing is, the opportunities to impact people's lives, they come and they go. Now here's the question. Will we have planted the seeds while it is here? I'd like to give you a scenario real quick. And I may have shared this with you before, but, but to me, this is just a simple illustration of how powerful it is to always have the seeds planted. In other words, let's hope and let's pray that everybody here invites at least five people to Friends Day. It's a wonderful opportunity to introduce people to the Lord's church. 
Now, if you invite five people, are five of them going to come? No. Are four of them going to come? Probably not. Are three of them going to come? Probably not. Will two of them come? I would hope maybe they would, but maybe not. But maybe at least one or two would come. And you say, well, what about the others? That was a loss. No, no, no. That's not a loss at all. That is investing. That is putting a seed in the ground so that when they have that window of opportunity open, they then know you love them and they know that the Mount Juliet Church of Christ exists. People cannot visit a church they do not know exists. People do not want to visit a church that they do not think they're welcomed and loved. And so we have to constantly and continually be making those investments. What, what would that look like? Let me give you this. This is just a made up illustration, but stuff like this happens all the time, okay? A mother goes to pick up her, her five-year-old from kindergarten and the teacher meets her out at the car and says, uh, we need to have a little talk, says, your son has really started cursing a lot. And the mother's jaw drops and she says, he's cursing at school? He's cursing in general? What? Yeah, she goes home, she's distraught, she's tore up. Her, her husband comes home and, and she's crying. She says, I can't believe, I can't believe Timmy's cursing. Now, what are we going to do? He says, it's all right, we'll work through this. We'll teach him not to do that. And then a few minutes she says, I think we need to go to church. <laughs> he laughs, you, you. The woman has always said, I will never darken the doors of a church. You're going to go to church. You've never been to church in your life. You're saying now you want to go to church. Let me tell you something. You don't want to go to church. Trust me. I know you. I know church. You don't want to go there. A few minutes later, she brings it back up again. And she said, I want something different from Timmy. And you said that your grandmother took you to church all the time when you were growing up. And that it helped you a lot learn what was right and wrong. And he says, yeah, but remember, when we got married, you made me promise that we would never go to church. I know. But I'm thinking now, maybe we should. They're laying in bed that night and she says, hey, I really want us to talk about going to church. He says, I can't believe we're having this conversation. She says, will you at least promise me that you'll think about it? I want something different for Timmy than what I had. He says, I'll think about it, but I'm not going to make any promises. I kind of like not going now. Just about the time he drifts off to sleep, she says, hey, I really want us to go this Sunday. He said, you're kidding. You want to go to church this Sunday? I really do. He says, okay, I'll tell you what I do. I'll think about it. And we'll probably do it, but I'm not giving you a 100% firm answer, but we'll think about it. And then about the time he goes to sleep, she elbows him and says, by the way, if we went to church Sunday, where would we go? Windows of opportunities. And so he replies, there's a guy I work with, real good guy, always treats everybody fairly and kindly, real ethical. He invites me every year to Friends Day and I've told him no every year for seven years. If I have my choice of where we go, I know him and I know where he goes. I say we go there. Let's give that a shot. And she says, good. I look forward to it. Brethren, we can't live other people's lives, but we can't ever stop trying to reach out to them.
how much effort would you make to save someone who was drowning in water? How much effort would you make to try to save someone who is drowning in sin and will drown for an eternal eternity? When we think about how God wants us to do this, please get this as we close this lesson. Don't miss how God says to do it. God says, there's something I want you to do toward those who are outside. And he says, I want you to redeem that time. It's precious. You don't know when Jesus is coming again. You don't know how long they're going to live. You don't know when those windows of opportunity are, are going to open. And so I say, okay, God, okay. What, what do you want me to say? What do you want me to say? And then it's interesting. He says, I don't want to talk about what you're going to say right now. Do what? That's right. He says, I want to talk about how you're going to live. In other words, Jesus, God is saying here in Christ's covenant, you walk the talk before you talk the talk. And so what does he say? That first phrase there, he tells us in verse five that we are to walk in wisdom. Walk is behavior. He says, I want you to go to work and I want you to behave yourself in wisdom. I don't want you to be like the world. I don't want you to be a reflection of, of human flesh and desire. He says, I want you to walk in godly wisdom. I want you to be a reflection of righteousness. I want you to be ethical. I want you to love your neighbor as yourself. I want you to practice the golden rule. I want you to love spiritual things above material things. I want you to truly show that you are a reflection of Jesus Christ. And he says, when you are ready to be a reflection of Jesus Christ, now you can think about how you are toward the world. Do you have this? Can I state it bluntly? While you're hanging out at the club on Friday night is not the opportunity to give an invitation to church. The Lord has a method. The Lord's approach is he says, I want you to be concerned about the opportunities that you are given about those who are on the outside and you start this method by first living it. Don't go into a meeting at work and talk about how you're going to fudge the books and lie on expense report and then say, oh, hey, before we break up, I want to invite you to Friends Day. Instead, don't tell anybody you're a Christian. Don't black the eye of Christ. Don't harm the hearts of those that one day might be open. Listen, if we have started living a life of the world, what we need to do is think about our own soul this Friends Day. And when you say, what I need to do is get out of the world and I need to get into Christ. And maybe over this next year, I can get my influence and I can get my reputation in place so that I can walk in wisdom so that I can generally care for other people's souls. Please get this. I'm not trying to be harsh or ugly. I'm just trying to bring the truth. You don't care about other people's souls if you live an ungodly life. You don't. Because if you care about other people's souls, you would first care for your own and then in that righteous life, you would then say, Please join us. This is the place to live. This is the life to live. But if you're still living like the world, you're the one that needs to be saved. And don't be a hypocrite. Hypocrites is what is killing 
the opportunity to reach a lost and dying world. And so what does the Lord say? The Lord says through Paul, pray earnestly. Pray for souls. Be vigilant. Be thankful. Pray that doors open. And when those doors open, when those doors open, you make sure that you walk in wisdom. Looking to those who are outside and realize that time is going to come and that time is going to pass. And what will you do to reach them? This morning, if we can do anything to help your soul, we would love to do what we can do, but God can do everything that you need. If you're ready to come to him, if you're ready to lay your life down at his feet, if you're ready to take up his banner and walk under his leadership, we'd love to help you. We would love to pray with you and for you. If you're a member of the Lord's body that's gone astray, if you've never become a part of Christ's church, we'd love to We'd love to see the Lord add you this morning. We'd love to see you baptized into Christ this morning if you're a believer willing to repent and confess. If we can help you in any way, let's all make sure this week, this week, that we continue to pray three times a day for souls and that we walk in wisdom. We gotta walk the walk before we talk the talk.